Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 508 of the Juice Box Podcast. On today's show, Lucas is our guest, and today, by the way, is an After Dark episode of the podcast, so you know what that means. Usually, it's a topic that you may possibly find triggering somehow. Lucas heard the After Dark episode about divorce, which came from the perspective of a parent of a child with type 1, and he wanted to come on and give his perspective as a now adult who has type 1 diabetes and grew up in a divorced family. This episode got much deeper than I expected it to. It really is terrific. Uh, Lucas is to be lauded for coming on and sharing his experiences. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Also, there are a lot of After Dark episodes at this point. I can't list them all for you, but you can find them at juiceboxpodcast.com. Scroll down, you'll see a list of them there. And of course, they're available right now in your podcast player. If you're listening in a podcast player, please subscribe or follow the show. And don't forget to share with somebody who you think might also be interested. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. The episode is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. The easiest to carry, easiest to use, best accuracy blood glucose meter that I've ever had. Well, none of that was English. Jeez, sorry, Contour. You have such a great meter. I should have done a better job. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter is accurate. It's easy to use at night. It has a bright light and easy to read screen. It's super, super carryable. Is carryable a word? Fits in your pocket or your bag so well. And those test strips allow second chance testing, which I'll tell you more about during the ad. There was one person that came on one time. This is being recorded just so you know. So, And very thankfully, they had terrible audio. And we had to bail on it. Um, and it was their microphone set up. And I had to say to them, um, you know, listen, I think you need to get a new mic and we can we can reschedule this. Like we had tried everything, but we tried to do it, you know. And mm -hmm. the entire beginning of it was the person just. I don't want to use overly simplistic terms, but they were a COVID denier. They were just like, it doesn't exist, you know? And I'm just, <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't understand what's happening. I can tell you, if you want to tell me that you don't think it's as much one way as it is another way, you think it's been politicized, I, mean, I could have a lot of meaningful conversations around a lot of things, but they were just like, it's not real. I was um, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> Anyway. Well, good news. I took my meds last night, so I'm not crazy. And uh, <laughs> I've had COVID twice, so I know it's real. <laughs> you had, you've had COVID twice? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get into it. Hold on a second. My name is Lucas. You can call me Luke if you want. Uh, I've had type 1 for just under 24 years. Wow. How old are you, Luke? Uh, 20. I'll be 28 next month. Hey, got in the game early. Yeah, four years old. Yeah, wow, jeez. Oh, uh, before school even. Yeah, I, th I was in. Uh, I was in some preschool 
thing in Colorado. I'd, it was like one of those half day deals where you go, you know, and hang out with kids and color. Yeah. Yeah. Beat each other with like notebooks or whatever. Yeah. They're just, they're just trying to figure out if you're going to, if you're going to flip when you go to kindergarten. Sure. Well, you know, what's interesting is you would have, do you have any children yourself? I do not. All right. So here's my perspective on um, preschool. I think it's just really competitive parenting run completely amok and turned into a into a business. You, you know what I mean? Like I always feel like it's just people were like, I wonder if my kid showed up on first day, day one of kindergarten and already knew their ABCs. They'd be ahead. <laughs> And then they'd probably be a patent attorney and make a bunch of money one day. Yeah, I just I, and I I always think it's like the one, it's like the first person who got their kid like private pitching lessons ruined it for everybody. Like until then, it was a bunch of eleven year olds just trying to get around the plate, you know. And then all of a sudden, one guy's like, "I can I can dial this in a little more." And then it forces people to continue to up their game and up their game. Either that, or it's daycare and they just want to get rid of their kids. I'm not certain which. It is. <laughs> I'm sure there are other reasonable reasons about people having jobs and stuff like that, which aren't as funny and I'm ignoring, but, um, funny story. My name's Lucas because uh, my mom wanted to name me Luke, but my great grandma said that Dr. Luke Preston didn't sound as good as Dr. Lucas. <laughs> and tell everybody what, uh, what do you, what medicine do you practice now, Luke? I work in the oil field. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Your grandmother missed a little bit, did she? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just graduated high school, never went to college. So yeah, she, she missed that one. Just, uh, I don't know, a couple yards outside, but you were oddly an A student in biology. Uh, actually science was one of my better uh, classes in high school. There you go. Oddly enough, she, she could sniff it out right there in the hospital. She's like, this kid, this kid knows what a cell is. I can tell. Yeah. Well, and you know, being a diabetic for so long, it probably gave me a little, a little up on some other kids. Makes you a little interested, right? And some of the words at least make sense. So you're you're vibing along. So listen, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you you um your your episode has more of a purpose than some of them do. I wish I I probably shouldn't admit that out loud while people are listening, but uh, most no, of the time, fine. yeah, most of the times I'm just like, hey, this person seems interesting, and we'll find our way through it. But I think you've got a lot of specific stuff, so I'm gonna maybe dig in a little quicker than than normal. Um. So you sent an email that I really got my attention, I thought. Do you want to just tell me about it? See, I think I messaged you on Facebook first, but yeah, the email. Um, I first started listening about a year ago, and one of the first episodes I listened to was about uh, divorced parents of a type 1 child. Mm -hmm. And as a child with type 1 who had divorced parents, first thought was, well, I wonder if they got the other side of this. Yeah. So I asked you and you didn't have anything and we just kind of started talking. And so that's how we ended up here. Yeah, I'm super um, interested. And I love your idea of flipping it around and trying to look at the other side of it um, real quickly. You're getting are you getting alerts on your phone that they're vibrating? Yeah, I moved it. Yeah. Or just stick it under your leg or something like that. You can. Yeah. Sorry. It was my work phone. Oh. I'm, I'm on. I'm, I'm supposed to be off. But for some reason, they're still bugging me. Yeah, it's not OK. Your job no, right your job right now, Luke, is to be on the podcast. Let's just like you know what I mean. Let's focus this this money that you pay your bills with. It's not important for the next hour. So, well, um, if I do good, if I do good enough here, maybe I'll start my own podcast like you. <laughs> I would like to say to everybody listening, please do not start podcasts. 
I mean, this one's fine. You don't need your own. I'll tell you what, honestly, go ahead and start a podcast. There's so much work you will give up very quickly. <laughs> you, you, the first time you're like, only 12 people downloaded my podcast and I put a week's worth of effort into it. Your brain goes, hmm, maybe this isn't a good use of my time. I think that must be what happens to most of them because there are so many, um, but nobody, but it's not important, but I think there's millions of podcasts. Most of them are not active. So I think it happens to a lot of people. Um, oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. And they're all just like shot out of a county. You know what I'm, it's like you ever see like that house in your neighborhood's half painted? <laughs> you uh, imagine actually, the, I, have, I have one in my neighborhood right now. <laughs> <laughs> see, I just imagine like some guy got up on a Saturday morning. He's like, I'm going to repaint the house. <laughs> he's just like, it's halfway down the side. He's like, oh, so much work. <laughs> just stop. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I, I grew up my entire my entire life grew up with friends. <clears throat> there was a stack of siding next to their house. Excuse me. <clears throat> I hate this springtime. Always like an in-between thing. Hold on a second. <clears throat> Excuse me. Stack of siding next to their house. And their dad was like, I'm gonna side the house. Well, I mean, 15 years later, you think to yourself, I don't think he's gonna do this. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that long, huh? Oh my God. I'm not lying. Like, I'm sure he lived his whole life and it's still there. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it just, when they, someone else bought the house, they got a stack of siding for free. Yeah. It was like buying a car that had extra wheels. They're like, Hey, I got some winter and summer tires. You can have, it's like, Hey, you can have this house. And it's all this siding. If you want it, you know, it just, it literally <laughs> sat there for 15 years that I was aware of. And I'm sure it's still there. Anyway, bonus. <laughs> no, it's not a bonus. You, you, that should be an indication <laughs> to you that this house was not well taken care of and you should run away. Um, <laughs> so your parents, so when you're diagnosed, your parents are married? Uh, no. Okay. So, uh, ironically, I spent the first, oh, I'd say 21-ish years of my life thinking I was the cause of their divorce. Really? They. Yeah, they separated in July of 97. When you were how old? Uh, I was four. I just turned four that May. Oh, oh, I'm seeing what you're saying. Go ahead. Yeah. So, and then in September of 97, I was diagnosed. So you so just my, figured you got diabetes and that split your parents up. Right. So that's what happened in my mind. Right. Um, I guess my little brain didn't understand that they had separated before or i just don't remember it that way so i kind of carried that guilt for like i said 20 some years did you ever i mean i'm assuming you didn't voice it or someone would have addressed it right right yeah i didn't uh i didn't bring it up to my mom until uh 2013 when i got engaged myself Mm. and i was talking to her about you know my concerns after their failed marriage and like never really grew up around married people or anything and told her how, you know, I was like, man, you know, I feel like I, and the reason you guys got divorced and she, you know, had to set me straight, but how did she take that? Um, she laughed. <laughs> my my mom, my, my mom and I have a weird relationship. <laughs> um, so no, she laughed Go ahead. She laughed not at you like, oh, you're a fool. She laughed because she remembers your dad. And she was like, no, that's not why. Is that? Is that- yeah, exa- exactly. 
Um, so yeah, it was, she laughed and then she, you know, explained everything like how it happened and why it happened and all that fun stuff. Was that of any comfort to you? Um, yes and no. Um, cause like I still, I still have these, I guess you'd call them false memories about them fighting over stuff that I could have swore was because of my you know, being a diabetic and and stuff that I was doing wrong or, or, you know, whatever parents deal with when they have a newly diagnosed child, you know, I'm I'm sure that's stressful. Dude, it's really stressful, but yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. Yeah. I I never had a moment where I thought there was any blame for the, for my daughter. I can't, I mean, I think your parents would have to be unstable to have that feeling honestly you, you know what i mean right. like and yeah. i can't promise you they didn't feel that way but it would be i mean i mean are there other things that would indicate like have you ever heard your dad say the earth is flat or anything strange yeah no um i know my mom carries a lot of guilt okay um about the her, diabetes her old, yeah her oldest brother is a type one okay and so she kind of put two and two together that says you know i kind of got it from her side of the family mm-hmm. so I, I it still bugs her today and she's almost 65 yeah i think it's um pretty common for parents to feel that way i mean everyone i've ever spoken to even if they know it intellectually they take on some sort of a feeling of oh this is my fault i and i don't think that's just about diabetes i think people do that with health in general you know, oh, they got that from my side of the family. Like, it's fun when it's, you know, blue mm-hmm. eyes. <laughs> like, oh, you got that from me. You get your <laughs> yeah, beautiful ice blue eyes from uh, from your mother. You, you know, but when it's, um, I don't know, when it's anything, when it's a like a weird bent finger or, you know, one of your ears is oddly larger than the other or your pancreas stops working, then people take it on as, like, I did that to them. It turns from you got that from me to I did that to you. Right. And yeah. Have you been uh, checking out my Facebook profile, Scott? Because uh, I have icy blue eyes. <laughs> I have not, Luke. But <laughs> I have to be completely honest with you. If I had been, and I somehow like subconsciously used that example, I would not admit to knowing. <laughs> I a hundred percent would have said no, no matter what, when you asked that question just now. But in honesty, no, I haven't. Like that would infer that I put some effort into pre like interview stuff, which I don't do. I really don't like to know anything about you. Like your camera popped on at the beginning and I was like, huh, that's not what I expected. And there was no reason. Like, I mean, what did I expect? You sent me a five line email. You know what I mean? And when, and I've had to, um, I've had to reschedule you. I mean, and other than that, we, I don't think we've had any real like contact at all. Um, so, you, well, well, your poor mom, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you you said you and your mom have a strange relationship? Are you break, yeah. breaking each other's balls all the time or something or what's going on? Uh yeah, sometimes. I mean, there's a lot of give and take there, but um her and I've been through a lot together and it was mostly just her and I that went through it. I mean, you know, I do have an older brother, but he was out of the picture a lot. Um so it was just her and I kind of battling it out been through a lot in terms of like bad things happening to your family or 
disagreements that took long times to fix. I'm interested. Um, bad things that happened to our family. Um, we're kind of, <clears throat> my mom says we're kind of the black sheep in the family. So when things go bad, we're the ones they call. Explain. So give me like a general, uh, you don't have to say something specific, but tell me what you mean by that. Uh, well, I'll just, I'll give you a quick one. Um, I was really close with my grandpa. Um, when I was, see, I was 15, he got diagnosed with an aortic aneurysm. And uh, we took, between my mom and myself, when I, I was a freshman in high school, we took care of him until he had a surgery. Took care of him for a couple months after his surgery. You know, helped my grandma around the house, did all that stuff. So when the unpleasant stuff happens to a larger family unit, you and your mom ended up being the ones that stepped in and helped and t- took yeah. the burden of that stuff. Yeah, pretty much. I see. So you're always sort of around. People don't realize this happens, but if you have a handful of brothers and sisters, there's this weird math that happens in people's heads. Like, oh, Billy doesn't have a real job. He can do it. Like there's that. Or, you know, uh, she lives closer. It's up to her, whatever it ends up being. And then once you do it once, the rest of them are like, that's what happens. Luke and his mom take care of that stuff. And it just sort of like gets pushed on you because nobody else wants to do it. And it sucks. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And then once you know the real, once you really understand what it's like for people who are struggling and need help, it's very difficult to just walk away from them, but that's time and effort and energy and money that gets taken away from your life. Is, is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Well, then the other people in your family suck. That's all. <laughs> is that, is that right? Yeah, is that it's a, uh, well, I guess all families have their quirks, but, Mine seem to have some really strange ones. <laughs> I, I believe you're right that everyone uh, does, honestly. But um, okay, so you guys kind of got put into that space. Did that cause friction between you and your mother, or did it just cause a less than harmonious life in general? Um, it caused some friction, but it actually like it made us really close. Yeah, I would imagine. Like uh, <clears throat> she had a full hysterectomy when I was a freshman in high school and uh, brother wasn't around. He was off doing drugs or whatever it was he was doing at the time. And uh, I basically took care of the house, went to school full time, took care of the house and helped my mom out while she was healing, you know? And after that, she became less of like a really strict parent and more of like uh, kind of just like a, she let me kind of do my own thing. Okay. Like, you know, she had she basically had two rules. Um, I have to be home before she gets up. And if I go to jail, that she, I don't call her. So <laughs> it, went, it went from a list of like laundry list of rules to those two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's hilarious, uh, but it is. Um, <laughs> don't call me if you go to jail and just don't stay out so late that I know it happened. And it makes me exactly. feel terrible. Yeah. Well, you guys, yeah. you guys were married all of a sudden, right? Sort of, you know what I mean? Like you were like taking care of a household together and, and, and propping each other up. Once your mom becomes a little like sick for a little while and knocks her off her game, stuff's got to go by the wayside. And now, so now you're doing laundry and cleaning the house, shopping, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go shop with my grandma like every, was it like every Saturday, every other Saturday, whatever it was. Yeah. Does your, do you talk to your brother anymore? 
Um, yes and no. We we live uh, about twelve blocks away from each other, and I see him three four times a year, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, your dad. When your mom and dad split up, did you see your father while you were growing up, or no? Uh, yeah. So, um, the weekend before I was diagnosed, we went to visit his dad in the nursing home in the town in Colorado where he was at. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my dad realized something was wrong because I I couldn't make it like 20 minutes without going to the bathroom. Like it, it, it was like a two hour drive back to Denver where we were living and it took us like four Cause I just like couldn't stop going. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he told my mom that Sunday when he, she picked us up she took me to our family doctor thinking I had a UTI, which (laughs) looking back on it, my mom's like, I knew better. I just didn't want to believe it. (laughs) Uh, She took my blood sugar. I think it was like 390, 400, something like that. How did your mom know to Uh, take your blood sugar? Cause she knew from her brother. No, she took me to the doctor. And that's the first thing the doctor did when she walked in was check my blood sugar. Oh, okay. I meant I was. I'm sorry, I got confused for a second. I was wondering no, how no. your how your mom knew that it wasn't a UTI. Well, no, my mom thought like she was like it's just a UTI. Oh, I see. But she said in the back, but in the back of her mind, she knew better. She just didn't want to believe it. Okay. So, anyways, to my blood sugar, doctor writes down the address to the Barbara Davis Center, and said you need to take Luke here, and any questions call you know whatever and my mom called my father well called my uncle my dad's brother and said you know told him what was going on luke has type one we're going to the barbara davis center can you please get a hold of his dad Mm -hmm. and so he did and my dad's like oh well it doesn't sound that that you know important or whatever he's like i'll go tomorrow wait where was your father was he on the moon he was working he was working. Okay. Like, I don't know. He's probably half hour from the Barbara Davis Center. So on that day of your diagnosis, about how long is it until your parents separate from that day? Uh, it was almost three months prior to that. Okay. So they had been separated for three months. Now your mom's calling with a medical thing, and he's like, yeah, I'll come when I come. It's probably got nothing to do. Well, listen, here's where it gets dicey, right? So, Luke, you probably know from listening, my parents were divorced. My dad left my mom on my 13th birthday. Like, he came home from work, had my birthday dinner with us, took a shower, left, and did not come back. So I understand um, how you feel when you say you can look back and it feels like suddenly you did this thing. Right. So I'm 13 years old. My dad leaves on my birthday. It feels like it's my fault. It at least feels like a, like a shot at me. You know what I mean? You know, it's, it's, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and in the meantime, you find out as you get older, my parents had, like, my dad had been cheating on my mom for a decade. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why he picked my birthday, but I don't think it had much to do with me. And, um, it's so easy to look back on these things and apply your perspective to them and have no ability to understand anyone else's perspective. Like, I don't know if my dad's just a bad guy or if he's just a cheater 
or if maybe my mom's a giant pain in the ass and I don't realize it, like, you know, not that that would, I'm not saying that that would make it to be a good reason why my dad would cheat on her, but like, you don't understand the dynamic of their life. Like you have no feeling for it at all as their kids, because to you, they're just these two people who take care of you and they say they love you and, you know, they yell at you and you do something bad and they buy you stuff on your birthday. Like, you know, and they bring the food in the house. They're like, here, eat this. Um, yeah, like that's it. You don't know them. You don't know how they grew up. You don't know the things they've seen or what's impacted them. Because now that you're older, now that I'm older, I know about the things that I've lived through and how they've impacted me and how they've changed who I am. Um, I don't know what those things did, you know, what happened to my parents. Like, it's so easy to just in a cartoonish way, say my mom and dad got married and my dad cheated on my mom and enjoyed doing that. So kept doing it. And then they kept fighting and then they got a divorce one day because they're ass like, like, you know, and they don't get along and they didn't try hard enough. And you can say all those like things that you would hear on like a 45 minute, you know, television show from the CW, uh, you, you know, but that doesn't, that, that's, that's not the, that's not the core of anything, but there's no way to get that across to your kid. Like, even if your mom would have sat down and thoughtfully explained it to you, you were four and you'd just been diagnosed with diabetes. Like, I don't know. I think it's kind of amazing that she was there. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I always think about it. Like I watched my, my mom struggle after my dad left, like greatly, and I learned to just feel like, well, she didn't leave. You know, like this is much less fun than it was when he left <laughs> and and he bailed like she's still here. And it wasn't until I got older and learned that at some point in the first couple of years of my dad leaving, like, we didn't have much money. And the state offered to take my brothers and me off her hands because they thought she couldn't handle it financially. And my mom said no. I'm, I'll figure this out. So for all the things that I didn't realize about my mother and our life, the one thing that was really important was she had an out, somebody gave her an out and she's like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, you know, to me, she's like, you know, in my mind, she's the greatest person in the world for sticking with us. And it's easier for my brothers not to feel that way because they're, um, they're her kids, but I'm adopted. Like somebody had already bailed on me once and then my dad, my adoptive father bailed on me. And then my adoptive mother got the shot to bail on me and was like, no, yeah, you know, so, um, but growing up, I, I was unaware of all that. I think it's, right. you know what I mean? It's just the, yeah. stuff, the stuff you think, you know, is usually not the most important stuff. Well, it, it took me a long time to realize too, that like, so my dad's mom uh, died of cancer when he was like 16, 17. Um, his brother left for the Navy, went to Vietnam. Um, my dad's dad was a drunk, you know, not the best household to live in as a kid. Hmm. So I think he just, he kind of struggles with, you know, medical issues or hard times like that. And, you know, I don't, yeah, probably, I, don't blame, I, don't, I don't blame him for not being there, but like, I, I know he wasn't there. I've known that my whole life. And it, I mean, it still kind of hurts, but I get it same time. If that makes sense. Well, Luke, it does. And, and I am not here to tell you how to feel, but I'd blame him for not being there. I'd not blame him for how he felt like it, it to me. That's the, 
that ends up being the real difference about great parenting, which it, it's being a parent and having to do something that you have no no background in, uh, no understanding of, no comfort with, and still doing it because you you know you've got these children and they can't do it for themselves. Like somebody needs to step up and do it. I, I mean, most of what I've done over the last twenty one years of being a, fa- a father. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't give up. We have a little noise, Lucas. What is that? Is there um, a fan, a noise, something started? That uh, might be my furnace. It's like 30 degrees outside. All right. Well, we're going to let you stay warm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but yeah, it's, it's snowing right now. So <laughs> Luke, Luke, there have been people who have sat in rooms without the air conditioner on when it's hot. So, I mean, this is this moment. If you if you want to struggle for the podcast, you can. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely can. Uh, <laughs> no, that's no, okay. Let it, the... <laughs> I just got to go upstairs and turn the furnace off. <laughs> no, no, you're allowed to stay warm. Um, <laughs> it is loud. Though. All right. Are you in a log cabin? What's happening? No, uh, I'm in my basement. Oh, oh, oh! You're in your basement where the furnace is. Correct. <laughs> uh, so it's not even keeping. So it's probably plenty of warm where you are. Uh, kind of. Kind of, you live on a map. Do you like that Colorado? I don't understand that at all. That's the thing you drive through and go, look how pretty this is. You don't stop. What is your problem? I don't, I don't live in Colorado anymore. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You found a colder place? I did. I found North Dakota. I was going to say, did you have to go north for colder? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a week this, uh, this February where uh, it didn't get above 15 below. Yeah, I would have left immediately. Yeah, I, I worked through it. I worked through it all. One day I got uh, to my first location and it was 36 below without the wind chill. What do you do? Like, that, like I know you work in an oil field, but like, what is it you do there? Uh, I'm, I'm a lease operator. So I go to uh, producing oil wells, make sure there's no leaks, make sure there's you know no environmental issues, check on the production and everything's working properly. And it's not okay just to have a couple of environmental issues when it's 36 below. We can't just live with that for a day or two. Nope, sure uh, can't. Oh, look at you doing that. That's thank you. Uh, because if, if I got up and it was that cold, I'd be like, I don't care if you all die. I'm staying inside. I can't. I can't do <laughs> yeah, that. No. Christmas, birthdays, Thanksgiving, 35 below, 106 degrees outside in the summer. Doesn't matter. You got to go. <laughs> I tried to. You know, it's funny when I we were kids. I tried to like scare my brother straight about high school. And I brought him to work with me on a weekend. I worked in a sheet metal shop and I, it's, it was just a horrible place to work as far as like, you know, cleanliness and heat and cold and you know, that kind of stuff. And I made him stay with me a whole Saturday and help me. And, uh, it was in the summer and it was just like you said, 105 degrees in there. You know, you've got a box fan pointed at you. That's the only thing saving your life. And, um, and I said to him, there's no in between. It's either this hot or it becomes freezing in here. Like there's no air conditioning and the heat is just enough so that the pipes don't break. Like they're not like, let's toast you up for the winter time. Like I was like, I basically work outside with a roof over my head and it's, you know, which some days could be worse, honestly, because there's no air moving. Uh, but, but it did not work. He, he, he picked similar work. He's very happy at it. He likes it, but I, uh, uh my plan didn't go as planned, I guess. Um, I'm sorry. So we got way away from that, but your your father did not come to the. By the way, how do you remember all this at four? I, I don't know. Uh, 
I think I have a memory of an elephant because I, I remember some weird things, man. Are you sure they're real memories? Yeah. Uh, okay. Before I did this, I I sat down with my mom and I was like, this is what I remember. How much of it's real? And she's like, well, this is real. This is real. This isn't. This is. Then you got it. Then you're also memory is a funny thing, isn't it? Like, I wonder how how important it is or isn't if any of it's real. Maybe the most important thing is just how you feel about it. Sometimes, you know, on the bigger stuff, not like obviously, you know, you don't want to sit down with your kid and go, yeah, your birthday's not the 15th. Like, I mean, that kind of like recollection we want to have. Right. But I mean, wouldn't it be more important if you could live as an adult? Cause you're still young, man. Like, wouldn't it be more important if you could live as an adult, just knowing that your parents were flawed people like everybody else, you didn't cause or not cause their disillusion and that's it. Like this is how stuff happens. Like I wonder some, sometimes I think of my life as like an anthill and I don't think of the ant that gets stepped on as being any more or less fulfilled or important as the one that lives its whole life. Like, I, I don't know how creepy that is for people, but we are just like scattered all over this planet. And um, it sucks when you're the one it happens to, but I don't think it happens to you on purpose. I don't think it happens to you because of you. Like, don't get me wrong. If you rob a bank and get shot, that happened because of you. But, you know, <laughs> at the same time, what I mean, what if you got put into that position through generations of poor parenting, abuse, money issue, whatever? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what if it just was fait accompli that seven generations in the great, 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 great grandson of some guy was going to rob a bank? Because how could he not? Because this is the direction we were headed in. And I think when you think about it like that, it, it takes away blame, which really doesn't fall with you. Like, it's not your fault your parents got divorced. It's not your fault you have diabetes. It's not your mom's fault. It's certainly not my fault that somebody gave me up for adoption and then I got adopted and then the guy left and it ruined my mom's life and that made it hard on her. Like, I didn't, it's not me. And if my dad wanted to sit back and go, yeah, it's that one. It's the that kid's fault. That'd be bullshit. That would just be him trying to feel better about something he didn't do, you know? Yeah. Um it's weird, like the the whole fate thing. Um I I was I I've been in, in and out of therapy and counseling for well, my mom put us in when I was like four through like divorce counseling and the Barbara Davis Center did it for us uh newly diagnosed patients when we were kids and stuff yeah but the whole fate thing uh is actually like a religious belief in some cultures and like we we don't actually have control over what we do it's already been pre-planned and stuff and i kind of agree with you like that that maybe there's just like we were chosen for certain things like i was chosen to have this because i could handle it or you know um, Arden got it because she had you as a father and now look what you're doing for, you know, what, 2 million people. I think you had downloads last month or something like that. We got some, we got some downloads going. It's happening now. Yeah. 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 We hit, so, I mean, we hit some the other day. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I hear what you're saying and I also think you can reverse engineer that idea quite simply. Right. right. Like, like right. it, and so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if 
<clears throat> you get diabetes because, you know, you can quote unquote handled if you're coming at, at it from that sort of more religious bend. Or if you come at it from the idea of, hey, it was, you know, kind of lucky that, you know, Arden got diabetes because of all the stuff that happened to Scott. He was more ready for it. Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Givoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to givokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit givokeglucagon.com dot com slash risk. All right, let me do a better job for the Contour Next One blood glucose meter than I did in the opening. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter is legit. It is accurate. It is easy to use, easy to read, and easy to see when it's dark. That's all but really, I think what you need, but I'll give you a little more. Fits well in your hand, meaning you don't fumble with it. It isn't hard to hold on to, but yet it fits well in your bag or your pocket. The test strips are made so that you can get some blood on them, but not enough. Like if you make a mistake, like where the drop's not big enough, which you don't need much blood with a contour next one, but you know, sometimes you hit it and you're like, oh, that wasn't enough. You go back. When you do that with the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, it does not affect the accuracy of the test. And the accuracy is stunningly good. This is, in fact, the most accurate blood glucose meter I've ever used for my daughter. Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box to find out more. Really is a fantastic website, which you don't often find yourself saying about a website for a blood glucose meter. But it has a ton of information on it that's useful and easy to sort through, if that makes sense. Anyway, you're going to love this meter. I mean, I love it. I, I, I imagine you're going to love this meter. I guess I can't promise you you will, but if you don't, I don't know what else you want. This thing has it all. And it's as simple and easy. It's, it's what you need when you need it. And when you don't need it, it's not in your way. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Links in your show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Check it out. I think you may be eligible. Yeah, yeah, hold on. Yeah, some people may be eligible for a free meter. And it's possible that you might find that buying the meter or the test strips in cash directly will be less expensive than buying a different meter or strips through your insurance. That's a possibility you can also check out at the website. It's like I said, the website's legit. Head over now. All right, I'm going to get back to Luke. You ready? Music's going to go away. Don't panic. It's happening right now. But it's not like everything in my life is like that. Like, we're not like, like, I'm not a superhero. You, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not walking around with a cape blowing behind me and everything's going perfectly. I happen to be really good at this one thing. I'm bad at other stuff. You, you know, like, there's other stuff I'm not prepared for. Um, I'm married. Like, it's not easy to be married for anybody. Anybody who tells you it's easy to be married is lying to themselves or really newly married. Like, one or the other. It's difficult. And it becomes 
different as time goes past, and you have to adjust your expectations as it moves forward. Um, your marriage when you're in your 50s is not going to be like it was when you were in your mid-20s. Like, you don't run around the house being like, wow, we should have sex again. <laughs> it, doesn't work, it doesn't work that way when you're like, you know, 60-year-old people are not right now going, you know what we got to do right now? Let's disappear into the bushes here at this uh, at this car park. It doesn't, it's not like, I mean, I'm sure somebody's doing it, but mostly it's, that's not what's going on. Like, at some point you say to yourself, here's a person I've been with for three decades, and this morning they did something really irritating, but... I remember being there when we got past this hump or when we had our kids or when we had money trouble, like they were there for me when this happened. I was there for them. I want to see this through to the end. Like I, I, you know, as odd as it sounds to me, a win in my life is my wife and I really old somewhere like bitching at each other until we die. Like I, to me, I'll feel like, wow, we, like we did it. You know what I mean? Like we, we hung in. Um, like that's how it seems to me. Like, not that there's something to hang in through, but you know, stuff's not, it's not, you can't sit around when you're 50 or 45 dreaming of a life of when you were 23 and trying to recreate it all the time, because then you just kind of miss the other stuff. And then you'll just, what do you just had lived one big party for a number of decades? Like, I don't know. Like, I guess, I mean, that's fine if that's what you want to do. It's just, for me, it's not like that. Um, and so with parenting, I, I think similarly, I'm trying to constantly adjust for what my kids need. And you're always behind because their their needs change and then you rush to catch up. If you're lucky, you can get ahead of it sometimes and be ready. But you also sometimes you plan to get ahead of it and you just mess it up and they zig and you zagged and you miss each other. Um, I don't think personally that Arden has diabetes because I would be good at handling it and because it ends up helping a lot of other people. I think that something bad happened and I kept adjusting to try to make it better for her. And then at some point I thought, I wonder if I couldn't share this with other people. And, you know, like, so I just kind of kept adjusting. I had all this information. It seemed weird to just give it to just her. So I'll give it to other people. And I wrote a blog. And then I started talking to people on the phone to try to help them. And then one day I thought, I bet you people would benefit from hearing these phone calls. And so then I started recording them. And, you know, and then I met Jenny. And I was like, oh, you know what we should do from here? We should do this. And I don't know. To me, that's it. Like, I just kind of try to keep growing with the information that I have around me, doing the best I can with it. Um, and I don't expect to be happy all the time. And I think that's important, too. I don't expect that every day is supposed to be like a big party. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making a mistake. Maybe every day, maybe I should, maybe I should be drunk and high and running around and having sex in the weeds. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know what I mean? But this is how it's. <laughs> yeah. com- but it's comfortable to me like this, probably because of how I grew up. Very specifically, I was aware that I was adopted. And then my dad left my mom. I saw the impact it had on my mother. I would never want to make a woman feel that way. So I couldn't live with myself if I did that to my wife. And I don't know. And I grew up broke, so I don't expect great things. Like when great things happen, I'm like, oh, my God, can you imagine? It's so amazing. And then when you feel amazed by little things happening, then you're not always waiting to win the Super Bowl to be happy. You know what I mean? Like. 
Like my, I made a steak the other day and it came out really well. And I've been talking about it for like three days. <laughs> I just been I like, it's I, a guy. I don't it's know. A guy. Yeah. Lucas, I don't know. Like I just, I find like, I find happiness in simple things. I, I get online this morning and I see this woman named grace and she had diabetes for quite some time, found the podcast and in three days, had her first stable line of her life. And I was like, oh, that's so cool for her. And I guess somewhere underlying, I, I think I did that. You know what I mean? Like she did it, but I did it too. And that's nice. Then that makes me feel good for the rest of the day. Yeah. You know? Well, and like, like, I, like I was saying, like with the whole faith thing, like it, it all depends on just the person and what you want to believe in. Like I've, I've spent most of my life trying to figure out like, you know, why my dad, why I don't trust my father. And like, you know, looking back at the, you know, he wasn't there when I was diagnosed and like, he never really was able to take care of me. And, you know, when, when we go spend weekends with him, you know, I'd, I'd have panic attacks and as, as a five and six year old, I'd have like complete meltdowns, not knowing that it was, you know, a panic attack. I just thought I was sick and, um, you know, being abused by my brother and watching my mom get abused by our stepdad, like from probably like 20, 20 years old till now I've spent most of my life just trying to figure it all out and what it all means. Yeah. So you're kind of a thoughtful person stuck in a less than thoughtful environment sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm like my own worst enemy. Um, I spend way too much time in my own head and I just like despise myself whenever I make a mistake, even though I know I'm human, humans aren't perfect. I, I still just hate that feeling of, of not doing the right thing, which stems from a little bit from how I was raised. Yeah, probably. Um, it, well, it probably stems from a lot of people around you doing the wrong thing and you feeling badly about it because you want them to do the right thing and they should. And you see the impact it has on other people, but you're right, still yeah, turning, right. but you're still turning it in on yourself. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I they're like my stepdad, for instance. I'll just go there for real quick. Um, sure. We moved in with him a couple years after my parents were divorced. Um, you know, he basically used us like free labor. Uh, we lived out in the country in Wyoming, you know, cutting wood, hauling it in for the fireplace, all that stuff. Um, if something wasn't done right or wasn't done the way he wanted to, I mean, the way he would just make you feel or like, you know, use his belt or whatever. It just like I was so young, that just stuck with me. So every time I make a mistake, like even now at work, you know, if my boss gets on me about something, it's not my boss yelling at me. It's my stepdad or it's my dad being upset because I'm having a panic attack or, you know, my whatever blood sugars aren't right. And he doesn't know what to do. So he's angry about it or it's my brother just being a bully and you know beating on me because he resents I, I think he resents me or resented me as a kid because of how much attention my mom had to give me as a type one and you know all those things so I have a I have a, a trust issue with men even now right you should move to Mars you should just get on a rocket and start over somewhere else around people you've never seen before that don't look like anybody you've ever met before. How do you do that and still live here though? 
And, and that, that really is the question, right? Like is how do you, and can you reset those feelings so that it doesn't feel like your boss being like, Hey, do your job. Doesn't mean that he's not about to like whip your ass, you, you know? And, um, that you're not letting down the guy who took in your mom and you, because at least that's the, that step parent, that, that abusive step parent thing seems more egregiously terrible than anything else to me, because you have to feel grateful on some level. Cause someone took you in after someone abandoned you and then they're shitty to you. And you're like, Oh my God, like this is the person I feel grateful towards, y- you know? Um, and it doesn't matter at that point what brought this stepfather to that spot it makes him, you know, be domineering and usually like labor and stuff like that. It doesn't matter to you. I mean, it might matter to him and his personal journey, but it's got nothing to do with what's happening to you right now. But it still doesn't stop you from thinking about it, does it? No. Yeah. Because yeah, you're a good it, person, it would, Luke. Well, I, I try to be. No, no, no. Hold on a second. Don't, don't, don't do that. You are a good person. Like this, this conversation is, is a picture of a good person trapped in a bad situation with a lot of bad actors. And you're not bending. You're not whipping on somebody or treating somebody terribly. Like you're staying true to who you are. Um, like you're doing the most commendable thing in this whole thing. And now you want to start your own family and make sure you keep it going somehow. Yeah. Well, it's not entirely true. I, uh, I did whip on myself as a teenager. So you took it out on yourself? Uh, yeah. Cutting? Um, no. Uh, I don't know if you want to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast. I, uh, so my mom was a single parent working like swing shift at a, um, plant here in digging in uh, North Dakota and uh, basically my, my insulin intake and everything was in my control. So uh started reading on the internet, how these people were, you know, they couldn't afford insulin. So they're rationing it and they were, you know, basically just being found dead in their apartment or whatever. Mm-hmm. I uh, decided to start cutting back insulin, skipping shots. Uh, I wasn't on a pump yet, but I was skipping shots for meals. Um, corrections i think my last a1c before i was put on a pump i was was like 13 7 what what was the what was the reason for doing it you were trying to save money for your mom or trying to hurt yourself what were you trying to do uh, i just thought it would be okay if i didn't wake up one day oh i see yeah that doesn't change what i said about you though well right but i just i mean no, but I'm just saying that I said you were a good person and you said, well, not entirely because I, there was part of me that wanted to die. And I don't, that doesn't stop me from feeling like you're a good person that, 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 that stops me from, well, it doesn't stop me. It, may, it makes me believe it more because you're, you're in this scenario. Like I said, if you've got a bunch of bad actors around you and your options are be yourself or be like them. You chose be yourself, even if you couldn't stand it. And I think that's incredibly commendable that you didn't bend and give up, even though it felt like you wanted to. And yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I get I, I get the I get what you're saying. But and I'm not arguing with you about how you feel about yourself, but just know it doesn't make me see you differently. That's all. Yeah, I, I appreciate I, I appreciate it. I just, you know, I just saying. 
you know, because you said I didn't take it out on anybody else. I mean, I did take it out on myself. It's just the point I was trying to make. Like, yeah, I hear you. You know, how long did you feel like you? How how long did you feel like it would be okay if you didn't wake up? Uh, basically about two years from when I was like thirteen to fifteen. Oh, um, yeah, I I just been I just been put on uh, a Medtronic pump and uh, did a sight change. Um. I, I either I put it in a muscle or the cannula bent or something. I, I wasn't getting insulin. My blood sugar was just creeping up and I just decided to go to bed that night. And I woke up, you know, puking my guts out. I was hardcore DK. Um, blood sugar was like six. Uh, I think it topped out at like six thirty-five. 35. Um, kidneys were starting to shut down. Liver wasn't, functioning properly i was in the peds icu for three days and uh i like one of the few memories i have of that was you know the doctor getting the dialysis machine ready and basically telling my mom to start making phone calls tell people that you know this might be it and (laughs) my mom was so angry at my father um i didn't know this at the time but she told me later she called him, tell him what was going on. And he's like, well, I guess if I don't hear anything, no news is good news. Like that, that was his answer. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. yeah, he's a prick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, and it sucks. Cause I like, I agree with you, but at the same time, like I still love him. He's my dad. Hey, listen, man, I cried like a baby standing in a, in a hospital room as my dad was passing away and he was nothing but not good to me for most of my life. And I was still like, completely devastated when he was passing away. So, see, this is why, like, besides the you know type one help and everything, this is why I love your podcast because I I associate with some of your stories so much. Okay, and it's just like I like this guy gets it. <laughs> I just I stood there. I was like, it was such a strange thing because, um, it happened in the middle of the night, and like that I got called. By his, you know, his new family to come to the hospital. So first of all, crazy fun showing up at the hospital for your father's passing in a room full of people you do not know. And, you know, and they love him in a way that you're like, that's how I'm supposed to feel about him. You know what I mean? So that's hard to begin with. And now you're in there. And at some point, they just realized, like, oh, that kid's his son we're just people he met in his fifties. You, you, you know what I mean? Like they actually kind of stood back a little bit, which was very nice. My, um, I have two brothers. My one brother lives in the Midwest and, you know, telling him wasn't going to help anything, but my other brother was reasonably local and I couldn't wake him up. And so the whole time I'm trying to like be with my father and wake my brother up so he can get there. Cause I'm like, my dad's not going to last till morning. Like I, I know he's not. And, I couldn't, I couldn't get my brother up. I couldn't get him to like hear his phone. Um, and so I just stayed with my dad and I did what I thought my brothers would want and what I felt was right. And, um, he passed away and everyone left and I stayed and I just thought, well, this is my shot, right? Like, so I said everything to him that I never said to him. And I figured like, let me leave it in this room the best I can. Um, and, uh, and that was it. But I mean, the way he died was in large part 
in large part due to the decisions he made. You know, so it was, um, I mean, it's another way for me to feel like, like, do the right thing. Like, like, do right by the people around you, the people that you make in this world and like tell them you're going to take, you know, when you're holding them in the hospital and they're newborn, you're like, don't worry, I got you. Like, actually, you know, have them. Um, my dad was in a room with that some of the children of the woman he went to after my mother and a woman who he had lived with after that woman and me. And I just thought like, this is a mess. You know what I mean? Like my mom would have been here. My brothers would be here. Like we would have been around him while he was sick. Like we loved him. Like what, what the hell man? And, um, it just, I was stunned at the end about how much I cared about him still. And I still do. I still have very like strong, loving feelings about the first, you know, the first 12 years and 364 days of my life, even though he was in a lot of ways, the way you describe, like angry, it hit you if, you know, you didn't do what he wanted. Um, you know, he wasn't particularly, um, you know, 2021 loving the way you think of it now. Like I joked with some girls the other day I was recording with and I was like, Oh my God, like now I see parents like driving their kids place. Like my parents wouldn't have driven me somewhere. <laughs> they would have been like, you want to go somewhere? You find a way to it. And that's the end of it. You know, we're, we're not doing it. I've got my own life. Like it's different now. Like, so making for that, that in the seventies and eighties, it was different than it is now. Like there are moments where my dad was like generally genuinely warm to me, but they weren't for long. And they weren't frequently. It's just not how he was brought up on a farm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not how it worked. I think we were just, uh, just North of like livestock to him, (laughs) you know? And he, um, but I don't know, man. Like I, I would, I would feel the same way. I, you know, I think you should love your dad, but you shouldn't take out everyone else's failings on yourself is all I'm saying, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. Yeah. How are you making out now? Like, are you still in therapy? Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I just started going back, uh, see last month. Okay. Um, try, trying that? something, trying something new, uh, something I've never done before. So we'll see how it goes. Good luck. Yeah. I, uh, um, I hope, I hope it works out well for you. Yeah. Um, my therapist actually said that I have to tell her when this podcast is posted cause she will be listening. So. Hey, listen, as long as she subscribes and listens to other episodes, she's more than welcome. And if she shares it, <laughs> she shares it with other people, don't let them hear it from your phone. Make them download it on their phone as well. Oh, oh 100%. <laughs> we need downloads. Got to get those numbers up. Yeah. Numbers up, downloads. Let's make this happen. Um, there you go. That, so she's going to listen to this. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could talk to her. How am I doing? I'm wondering. Just answer to yourself in your own head while you're listening. I can, I'm now talking to one person. <laughs> Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll find out from her and then I'll, uh, I'll shoot you a message from the, after this is posted. Yeah. Unless she doesn't like what I said and then just keep it yourself. I don't need the pressure. So I'll just, I'll just lie and make you feel good. <laughs> no, no. See, now that you said that, I can't believe anything you're going to say to me. <laughs> I was honest with you in the beginning. I told you there's no way I would tell you the truth. If I did notice that your eyes were blue, <laughs> I guess I just did the same thing I asked you not to do. Never mind. Um, there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you're how old now? 28? I'll be 28 next month. Yeah. Okay. And you're getting married? 
Uh, I was married uh, in 2014. Oh, you've been married for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute, 2014. Let me do some quick math. That was seven years ago. Yeah. You've been married for seven years? Yeah, uh, I've been with my wife. Uh, We started dating. Uh, I asked her out or to be my girlfriend uh, the night of her senior prom in 2010. So the first time she didn't uh, threaten to hit you after you did something not quite right, you were like, this girl's for me. Like your boss, yeah. Lucas's bar was probably pretty low. In the now, I'm not saying anything about your wife, but you were probably just like, <laughs> "You're not yelling or striking me." This seems much better. Um, thank you. And and you guys are doing well. Uh, I, I think so. Um, you know, we both have pretty steady jobs. Um, we bought a new build for our first home, which was pretty cool. Nice. You know, both have our own vehicles. Um, the reason we had to reschedule this was because I'm going to pick up a new Harley. So, I mean, we're financially stable. We can do the things we want to do. And, um, you know, we're marriage is probably the hardest job I've ever had, but being with, uh, Steph, it makes it fairly manageable, even, you know, no matter what the struggles are. That's lovely. Now, are you going to be, do you find yourself being the kind of person who, sees the things that happen in their life and says, I don't want to be like that. Or do you find yourself mimicking any of the stuff that was around you? Um, I'm more so the guy that's not going to do, you know, I'm not going to repeat the same mistakes other people have. Okay. It's good. When you have uh, kids, it gets pressuring again. So be aware of that. Like it's, um, uh, like right now you're you're in the middle of things that you can kind of control more like you're good at your job you can make money with it you can buy your things but when you start having kids um if you should they have their own thoughts it's very strange and uh they're not always going to agree with you even at younger ages and that pressure to make a perfect life for them so that they don't have the struggles that you had or your family members before you can like throw you into a situation where you just have weird reactions. So be aware of that when it, when it happens that, you know, if you find yourself doing something that you think, Oh my God, my father or my stepfather would have done this. Like just step back for a second and figure out what made you upset. What, what, what are you worried about right then and there? Because whenever I have moments where I'm like, this is not how I want to be. It's normally because I'm scared for my kids. I usually do the, yeah. yeah, when I was younger, I would do the wrong things in those scenarios. Now I'm just older. doesn't matter. No one expects anything from me. So I'm pretty good. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know if we're actually going to have children. Um, but if that changes, I'll definitely keep that in mind. On purpose? Uh, yes and no. <sighs> yes and no. Do you, is this something you don't want to tell me about? No, no. Um, like I just not sure if if we can have kids um do you not know how it happens because i could explain it to you well i i I had a class in fifth grade and i think i'm doing it right right. but you just got to find the places where hair grows basically that's the first step and then yeah so i started at the armpits and that wasn't right so i just kind of worked my way down (laughs) for years we weren't having any luck uh conceiving Um, no, uh, so I, we we're just haven't really looked into it medically to see if it's a thing, but, uh, at the same time, we're not sure if we actually want to have kids. Um, yeah. well, did she we have, have, did your wife have similar upbringings like issues? Um, yeah, 
yes and no. Like she, uh, her, she has a family. Her parents are still together. She has two siblings. She was the middle child. Um, but her dad is very controlling, um, and manipulative. Uh, him and I do not get along whatsoever. So is it fair to say that you both are pretty concerned that you might not be great parents and therefore you don't want to put people through what you've been through? That might be part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, This is going to probably sound terrible to a lot of people on this podcast, but my thing is I don't want to, like, I don't know if I could live with myself if I gave my, like if I had a child and it ended up being a type one, like I, I it would burden you could not, could not imagine that. Yeah. After what I like, how I was brought up and the, the stuff I went through. Well, Luke, I think understanding your limitations and staying within them sometimes is pretty commendable. So I, I'm not judging you. Everybody doesn't have to have kids. I'm, you know, I don't think that's how this has to work. And um, yeah. if you really feel like that would, it sounds like you feel like it would crush you, but like psychologically, not just like emotionally. Right. 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 Yeah. Well then like the- yeah, then do the right thing. Don't make a baby and then like it gets diabetes and you just go and fall apart. Now the kid's like, oh, great. Now I'm alone. And it's just basically your life starts over again in his body or her body, you know? So yeah, breaking cycles is a good idea. That is my number one fear. So <laughs> yeah, well, buy a reindeer or something. What do they call it? Caribou? That's the same thing. Uh, it has to be fed and taken care of. It'll get sick. You have to help it. It'll be very similar to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I could I could do caribou, or I could get like I don't know, like a, a mule deer or something. That'd be nice. I mean, listen, I guarantee you right now, if I showed you eight seconds of Arden being angry at me yesterday, you'd be like, "Yeah, I don't need kids." <laughs> 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 Wouldn't think twice about it again. Um, yeah. Listen, do it. Do what makes sense. Like that's what I was talking about earlier. Just you know. Take the information around you and make good decisions with it. Move forward and continue to reassess. Maybe one day you'll think you want kids and maybe one day you won't. I mean, whatever. It doesn't, you know, what are you going to do? Like, you know, my dad. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. I'm young yet. I mean, my, my parents weren't, uh, what were they? They were in their mid thirties when they started having kids. So yeah. you got, I mean, you got married when you were 12, basically. So, yeah, I mean, 21, but yeah, I mean, if you're dyslexic, it was 12. Listen, that's how old my wife was when we got married. And allow me to tell you, huge mistake. <laughs> we didn't know what the <laughs> hell we were doing. <laughs> I think it's just random sometimes that it even worked out this well for us. You know, God, we didn't have a lot of good it, information. It, yeah. If you would have asked me at 16 how old I was going to be when I got married, uh, I would have never said anything younger than 25. Yeah, probably would have said 45. Yeah, look, after, yeah. you know, you get this magical yeah. idea that you're going to understand the world at some point, but it doesn't happen either. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, you're good. My pump was going off. Oh, really? Yeah. How's your blood sugar been during this? Some people say their blood sugars go up while they're interviewing. Uh, mine's up a little bit, but I just did a sight change, so. Ah, cool. That's not my fault then. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no you're good. <laughs> so, um, how was this? Is, um, and my wife and I were talking recently about an episode that I did. And uh, Arden says I come down after I record and I'm like full of energy for a while. Um, and I do think that's true. Like I, I feel very like tuned in right now. Like I'm focused and listening and trying to think and everything. Um, anyway, she teases me about it. 
But my wife and I started talking about one of the episodes and she's like, are the after dark episodes becoming people like doing therapy on the podcast? And I was like, I just think that's what they are in general. Like, I don't think they're becoming that. I think that if you expect someone to lay out their life with some trauma attached to it, that's what's good. If they're going to be honest, then this is what's going to happen. You know, and I don't see it as like people using the podcast for therapy. I mean, and if you are thinking that and you're listening, like, just keep in mind, I'm woefully under prepared to help you with anything. Um, I just, you know, I'm just interested in talking to people. I like hearing what they're thinking. And I like asking the questions that pop into my head. Like when I'm listening to something else that's audio and someone says something and the next question that's asked isn't the question I would ask. I'm irritated. I'm like, that's not what we need to know. We need to know this, you know? So, um, that that's all it is to me, but you, you were just trying to add to the fabric of the podcast, right? Like you enjoy the podcast and you're trying to fill a void that it has. Yeah. Um, mostly like I granted, I know now like, you know, with Dexcom and Omnipod, T-Slim, all these, you know, closed loop systems or, or whatever. Parenting is a type one child is probably way easier than anything my parents had to deal with. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to share my story because, you know, not every marriage ends with, you know, 75 year old people bickering at each other in a Walmart parking lot or something. Yeah. Most of them don't, by the way, Luke. Right. So I just thought maybe, you know, if I share my side of the story, you know, for anybody listening to the podcast that is divorced or going through a divorce, they'll see just kind of how their actions do affect their children and maybe it'll help them keep their kids from doing some of the stupid things I did and making, you know, feeling the way I felt. Yeah. I had a question for you. Um, I want to answer that and I don't want to forget to ask this question, but, um, well, first of all, it's, it's lovely that you shared and you, you know, tell your mom even thank you because the perspectives of the things and the decisions she made are helpful to hear. Even your father, you know, seeing what he did that was not great. You know, it, it, it's valuable for other people to hear because I don't believe Mostly, I don't believe that people know they're being bad people while they are. Like, I don't think that your dad was making decisions and while he was making them saying to himself, I'm about to do the wrong thing. Here I go. Like, he might have done it later and felt let down, but then people just justify what they do so that they don't have to feel that way. And, you know, even the stepdad thing, like, hey, I took him in. He can cut some wood. I bet you that seemed reasonable, you know? So I don't think that people are busy. I don't think it's a it's not a movie where we're all twirling our mustaches and saying, you know what we're going to do next? It's going to be shitty to people. You know, like I just don't I don't think it's like that. Mostly. I mean, I think there are some people who are, are broken and maybe try to hurt people. But for the most part, what I think is important is to know that people who are hurting you are not always doing it on purpose. And you're still going to feel it as if they are. Right. So. You know, um, the question I had that I didn't get to ask earlier is when you stopped taking your insulin when you were younger and you woke up and this was all happening to you, how soon did it take you or did you regret doing it at any point? Um, it was probably, I was probably the last day I was in the ICU day I was getting discharged. My grandparents had my cell phone uh, 
my grandpa was a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. So they were always like, we moved to North Dakota to get away from my stepdad. And because my mom wanted us around him and my grandma to help them raise us. But, um, my mom gave him my cell phone. And, uh, when I was finally lucid and coherent enough, he, you know, he gave it back to me and said, you know, all your friends are calling and texting you to see what's going on. And, um, there was a girl I was interested in trying to date and she was, you know, worried and all this stuff. So after, after seeing all these people, I mean, besides, you know, my mom, and my grandparents, you know, kind of freaking out is like, it was almost like a realization, like, you know, I might be in pain, you know, emotionally or hurting emotionally, but if I were to kill myself, the pain doesn't end. It just gets kind of pushed onto other people. Yeah. And then after that, it kind of just, I was like, wow, this is really not the best, not the best way of doing this. You just made me think that there's a certain amount of pain in the world. And if we can distribute it evenly amongst the people, then you shoulder the bits that that are yours to shoulder, that that makes it bearable. But when you start shoving it onto somebody who can't help it or can't handle it, like a 13-year-old kid, then that becomes like an unfair balance of it. So I don't know if that makes sense. Like maybe as a father who left, you are cheating the amount of life burden that you're supposed to be holding, but it doesn't fall to the ground. It just falls on someone else. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I was, I was obviously, I was depressed. I was, I was done with, you know, being a diabetic, I was done taking shots. I just, I didn't want to do it anymore. I was tired of the pain, the needles, you know, all the stuff I'm sure we all go through at some point you know, as a teenager. What I'm wondering is, is there an amount of that reality that if someone else would have taken off of you or at least helped you hold up, if you would have not fallen to where you did, I guess we'll never, um, never know that. But I mean, if you were in like a leave it to be for family structure and your dad was, you know, helping with the diabetes and like all this stuff was happening, like, could they have gotten you through that part of your life where that impact because, I mean, that's a spot where kids feel the way you feel, like 13, 14, 15. Like, there's so much going on in your brain, and hormones are changing, and you don't have great perspectives on some things. Like, like I wonder if, like, in the right set- setting, if you wouldn't have felt like that, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, the family side. Like, I was getting bullied in school because I was the only kid – you know, that, that had type one. So I got to leave class or I didn't have to take tests when I was low or, you know, I had snacks and yeah. I was just, I was different and kids are, well, I mean, that age group is like gladiator training school, right? You mm. just, you pick on each other and weak ones get bullied or whatever. Um, so I don't know if, if having a, a complete family would have helped or not, M- maybe. Um, yeah, you'll never know. I just, it's, fascinating to kind of consider and yeah i i I have a friend now that i'm I'm really close to she had her own sort of issues about the same age um she was assaulted and uh her and i are really close uh because we just like 
I guess our, our unhealthy coping mechanisms are similar. You know, we both popped pills at one point. We both, you know, had some form of self-harm. So now that, like, I mean, granted, we're older, we can handle it a little bit better. But having that person who gets what you're saying and can kind of, like, take some of that, like you said, some of that grief off your shoulder and handle it is actually really helpful and has kept me grounded a lot more now that I'm older than, than anything prior. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. It's it's lovely that you found somebody like that. And, um, yeah, it's funny. Like as we're talking about it, there's something kind of beautiful about the idea that some people can hold more than other people. Um, and it's, you know, just as, uh, striking to me that if you get, paired with a person who can't take a little extra for you. It's not even their fault. It's not your fault. It's just unlucky. Like I, I, to me, that's all that seems to me is luck, uh, randomness, whatever you want to end up calling it. You know, I get notes all the time from people who are, and that they always end with Arden. So lucky. And I don't know. Like I, that's sad that everybody's not that lucky. Like, I don't think of Arden as being lucky. I just think of me as doing the thing I promised to do when I met my wife and married her. And we said we were going to have kids. Like, that's all I see about this. But, um, I guess when so many times people don't stand up and take on the responsibilities that they say they're going to, I guess maybe it does make it lucky when someone does. I don't know. Maybe more people do than we know. We just don't hear from them. That's what I I would like to hope. I would like to hope that your story is not the norm. And maybe it just feels a little more that way because I have a podcast where people talk about stuff like this. Because um, I don't I don't want to think of it being that way, to be honest. Well, I like Arden, in my opinion, is lucky because in, in my in my eyes, you you went like an extra step. Maybe, maybe that's just because I know you through the podcast and how much you've done, but like just on, on the Facebook group, I think I'm kind of the anomaly, like seeing how many people ask questions. Uh, I can't, it was about a week ago. Someone asked a question about, I think it was about bolusing for, for high protein meals. And I've been working with that for a while. So I was going to answer and they posted it like 30 minutes before I saw it. And there was already like 76 answers. And I scrolled through, I'm like, wow, all these people are saying exactly the right thing, you know? So I, if, if you take a snapshot of the diabetic community and look at it through your podcast, Facebook group, I'd say 95% of people are probably closer to you than closer to what I was brought up in. It, it has done a really good job of bringing together people who think similarly around management of insulin and ideas around diabetes and living with it. I, I have to tell you, that we've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes and um, I've not felt like crying the entire time. I think I'm, which I'm assuming means I'm pretty good with my parents' divorce and how it all went. And so I don't feel real uh, emotional around it anymore. I feel like it's something that's happened and I understand it Um, and I'm not pushed by it anymore. But to hear you describe that, that there's a thing I made that brought a bunch of people together that helped another person, which I guess really is just a distribution of burden. 
um, that made me feel very emotional. I, I was very happy to hear you say that. And I agree with you. I see it happen all the time. And it's, um, it's fascinating and it's uh, fulfilling. And then I like to imagine all the people who are listening who aren't in the Facebook page. And I, I like to hope that that either exists for them somewhere or that they're getting to it. But I'm happy to know that it's possible. And um, I I, uh, I used to think that it was my responsibility to get to, to get everybody listening to that spot. But I don't feel that responsible anymore. Now I just feel like um, that the podcast shows them the way that it exists and that it's real. And that if they can find a way to follow it, it's there for them and they can get that information. Um, so I've, I've found a way not to feel burdened by that either. Cause there were a couple of years during the podcast where everyone listening's health felt like my responsibility. And I knew that wasn't right. So I had to, um, I had to figure that out and you guys all coming together in that Facebook group actually was a big part of helping me feel better because it didn't feel like it was just up to me to answer people's questions anymore. So, so that's, it's been a really great thing. I agree. Yeah. yeah it's, it's almost like you're the captain of the ship and then, you know, that group's kind of just your crew, you know, we step up and help you out. You know, um, I appreciate you saying that. That's, um, that's really nice. I, I, th- I think of a similar way. Like I don't captain's not what would have popped into my head. And it's interesting that it popped into yours because you're in a landlocked state, but nevertheless, um, I think <laughs> it's, it's almost like a good coach to me. Like, you know, you know, when you're, I don't know if you've ever played a sport, but you can get coached by people who are just there and they're nice people. But every once in a while you get somebody who sets a, a tone and the responsibility for the players is to meet the tone. It feels like, um, the best way I can explain it is that, um, when my son was younger, before it was common for kids to be very good at tracking fly balls in the outfield, he was incredibly good at it. And I asked him one time, like, just wondering, like, you know, I mean, people who don't play baseball don't know, but this tiny little white thing jumps up in the sky in a split second and in two or two and a half seconds is going to travel three or 400 feet and then be on you. Like, how do you get to the spot where it's going to come down? Like, how do you, how do you see it? How do you follow it? How do you run, uh, and, and still know where the ball is? And, and my son would say that he, um, more than anything, didn't want to let the coach down. And so there was something about this one specific coach, because he was coached by a number of people, but there was something about this one specific guy that I, when the ball went up in the air, my son was like, I'm going to catch it for him. You know, and um, and I think that whatever that man did to make my son feel that way was um magical. And uh he did a like in, in this very small way he just he laid the groundwork for him and so i just think of the podcast as me saying like here's the here's the way it could actually happen and now for reasons that i can't completely wrap my head around there are plenty of people listening who are like yeah okay scott i'm gonna go catch the ball for you and uh i just think it's terrific it's it's really great i can't believe that um it's helping so many people and we don't usually talk about it this seriously. Usually by now I joke about it. And <laughs> Yeah, it's well, not to talk about other podcasts on your show, but I listened to one that does uh, sports movie breakdowns and uh, called the, the brick wall test. Like, you know, would you 
after like uh, if you've seen the movie Miracle, Herb Brooks give that speech for the Russia game. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to run through a brick wall just for that guy. Just you know, to because of what he did for you, you want to pay him back, and you you definitely passed the brick wall test wow. for me, anyways. Thank you. That's really nice. Yeah. It'll that'll help me later today when my family thinks I'm an idiot and yells at me for something. <laughs> and life is real. Life's not very real when I'm on this microphone. It's very segmented and focused. Um, so it's I always think of it as um, you know, there's somewhere there's probably some like like really great athlete or you know famous person who just brings their kid a a dinner and the kid's like, oh, it's not what I asked for. <laughs> and they're not like they don't go, hey, three time Oscar winning man. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't what I asked for. It's just like this idiot always messes up my dinner. Um, so it's it's really nice. My, my my wife and I were talking about something about this maybe a month ago, and she said, "Don't worry, I'll keep you grounded." And I said, "Yeah, don't don't worry. I, I know you will." <laughs> I, like, yeah. I think there's a sensor on her phone, and if she feels me happy, she's like, "Uh oh, look at this guy, I'm a little too happy." <laughs> I'll, I'll fix that. <laughs> You got to bring up that thing you did wrong 10 years ago. Yeah, real quick. yeah, yeah. You remember when we were dating and I said this and you said that? What an asshole you are. Hmm? You remember that? <laughs> Living it yeah. for a second. I don't care how many people pay one Caesar better. <laughs> you failed me yeah, when I was remember, 23. <laughs> remember when you lied and said I looked bad in that dress? <laughs> just very much like that. They're on top of me. Like right now, my wife's like, uh, "This ep- I just got a text from her. This is running over and the dogs need to go out. <laughs> god i'm sorry i'm getting you in trouble (laughs) luke oh now she's like don't worry he laid back down Uh, this reminds me um long time ago it's not apples to apples but jim carrey did this interview on the stern show after he got divorced and he said he would come home from a movie set and then his wife wanted him to take out the 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 trash and it rubbed him the wrong. I'm pretty sure it was Jim Carrey. And it's just like he couldn't reconcile it anymore. He was so like famous that he's just like, why Why is somebody talking to me like this? Like, I don't have to take the trash out. Like he had that whole like thing. I don't ever want to feel that way. Uh, I, I don't for clarity, but I, I don't ever want to. Like I, that always made me sad that he that he had slipped down some rabbit hole that he couldn't find his way back out of again. And that just simple things didn't seem like they fell to him anymore. Like I like this part of having a family like i like being responsible and i like helping people it sounds like you're gonna have you have a bit of a caregiver's mentality as well you just don't seem like you have any place to point it at the moment but you want people to around you to be well it sounds like yeah it's my it's my like um i enjoy making people feel good you know it it's always been easier for me to help other people feel better than than myself and yeah. I've kind of just clung to that my whole life. Well, listen, it's a, it's an ob- I mean, it's obvious why. If you've been listening for the last hour, it's obvious why. But it should be obvious yeah. to anybody. Like people are stopping you from being happy, but you see somebody who can be made happier, and then you're not going to then later hit them with a belt or scream at them. Like you, you can be their their conduit to that feeling, um, and then it makes you feel good. It probably also on some level makes you wonder why somebody can't treat you that way. Um, but I just think it's because there are a lot of different kinds of people and you're not as common as, as some of the others, or at least in your, in your ecosphere, you weren't as common, but there are a lot of people like you, you know, you just got to meet them. And, uh, I don't know, man, I, I really enjoyed this. 
So interesting. Yeah, this, this is fun. Um, if you ever do decide to get a Jim Carrey head, though, just remember you almost choked to death on iced tea on this podcast. That <laughs> oh, should, dude, I almost <laughs> that died. bring you back down. Yeah. Oh, if I ever feel that's a good point. If I ever start feeling special, <laughs> I'll just remember the time I couldn't ingest iced tea. <laughs> I feel like that almost did get me. That stuck with me for like, it must have been like 20 minutes of that recording where every once in a while I was like, I know, it's happening again. <laughs> you're, you're, and the guest, like, she was so sweet and concerned. And all I was doing in my pickup driving home from work is I was just laughing so hard. And I was like, man, I'm a terrible person, but this is hilarious. Yeah, well, I'm glad you were happy. I, you know, I just, I couldn't, it really did. It just got way down in the back. It hit me right in the back of the throat. And I was like, oh, and then I just couldn't shake it. My eyes were watering. It was terrible. Well, we, I mean, we've all been there. It just. You don't get what to record made, it. What made it, so, yeah, what made it so funny is yours was recorded. <laughs> like, you could have edited it all out, but you didn't. I don't. Uh, I don't see any reason. That editing is really a pain in the ass, and I don't like doing it very much. I edit the show for sound more than anything. I like people to have like a nice, clean sound experience. That makes sense. Yeah. So some people breathe heavy, smack their lips. Um, you know, there's all kinds of little things. I think that people do that while you're having the conversation you don't notice but when you're listening to it it can be distracting so um that's pretty much what i edit for i don't think i've ever well not ever but very infrequently do i take content out of the podcast i like well you'll have to let me know besides my furnace uh how bad my audio is oh your audio is terrific except for the furnace and it's actually enough in the background that i think it'll add to it i think people will be like oh luke's freezing his ass off in the in the basement to be part of the podcast. I, I, I appreciate that. I really do. Um, yeah. so much. So there's a, one woman that always sticks in my head that she had to go out to her car during the summer in the Northeast. And by the time we got all the noises going, she was in a sealed car that wasn't running. And, um, it was like a sauna, but she did it. It was a really good episode. And I was like stunned because I wouldn't have done that. If you said to me, close the car doors and sweat your ass off in the heat to be on my podcast. I'd be like, no, I don't, I'm not doing that. So, uh, I was always really grateful for it. And I, in my mind, you're in the, um, in, in my mind, you're like in a, in a, like there's a furnace behind you, like out of the horror movies that looks the grate on the front looks like teeth and it's lighting up and coming down and lighting up and coming down. That's how I've been thinking about it. The whole hour we've been talking, I've been aware of it. I'm sure. It's nothing. Well, like I won't, that. I won't ruin that image for you. Yeah. You're really just surrounded by a bunch of Christmas decorations. <laughs> well, not a whole lot of Christmas decorations. Uh, I got a deer mount and uh, some hockey flags, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go with my picture instead. Mine, mine was better. Um, yeah, yeah, that's way better. Yeah. Luke, I didn't ask you, like, let's just finish up with uh, how is your management right now? Has the podcast been valuable for you that way, or is it more of a community thing for you? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't listen to every podcast. What? There's, yeah, I know. So. I know. There, there's certain ones that just don't, like, I can't take anything from it. Sure. You know, but um, uh, I can't remember which one I listened to last. It's been a while, but you were talking about, you know, adjusting basil and cutting back your bolus. Mm-hmm. Because you'd bolus dip and then you'd get high again. Well, I was kind of fighting that with uh, how weird our weather's been. It's gone from like 70 to a little 30 and snowing in four days. 
So that's been helping me out. But my last A1C was a 5.9. That's great. Good for you. And then before that was a 5.3. That's excellent, man. You're doing great. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I I listen to audio. Like, I enjoy audio a lot. So um, there are things that pop up in my player for shows that I listen to that I'm just like, I'm not. I try every. I think it's the creator in me. I don't skip them. I try them. But there's sometimes I'm an hour into a conversation. I'm like, I just don't have anything in common with this person. And I'm not jiving with this. I'm going to find something else. But that's also why I think good creators put out a lot of content, too. It's because they know not everything that happens on every episode is going to be for everybody. If I expected that, I would be insane. You know. Um, right. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, there's going to be an episode that comes out with three girls who know each other who all have type 1 diabetes. And I find it incredibly interesting. But if you don't want to listen to an hour and 45 minutes of a 13, 15, and 17-year-old girl talking, I would understand that. Y- you know, just as I would understand if they don't care to hear about your, you know, sad childhood because they have a really great childhood. And they're like, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, right. You know, that, that just everything's not for everybody. But as long as you say subscribe and download your episodes, I don't care. If you want to delete them afterwards, it's fine. But I need the download. You people need to understand my needs here. Downloads. <laughs> I need downloads. Um, anyway, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, it, you were incredibly honest, and uh, this was really great. I'm glad we were able to get it rescheduled and, and get it out. Uh, can you hold on a second? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. good. Thanks. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors. Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N dot com forward slash juice box. I also want to thank the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Go to Contour Next dot com forward slash juice box and of course thank you so much to luke for coming on the show and laying his story out so well and so honestly i really appreciate everybody who comes on the show uh it cannot be easy if you're enjoying the juice box podcast please share it with someone who you think might also enjoy it that's pretty much it the show grows when you share it thank you very much I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.